Are you ready for the word this morning? I don't know if you're ready for it yet. Romans chapter number 8, you find it, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. You don't have to do this when I'm gone, it's just my custom. Romans chapter number 8, beginning in verse number 6. And it says this, it says, for to be carnally minded is death. Everyone say death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those that are in the, who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ. Everyone say the spirit of Christ. For if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wonderful day to be able to come and celebrate what you are speaking to us here at Sanctuary this morning. We thank you for what you are doing in this community, what you're doing through your people here. And Father, today I just ask, Lord, that you, your word would penetrate the hearts and the lives of your people. And God, I'm asking you would anoint me as your servant this morning. Let every word that falls from these lips of clay come straight from your throne room. It's in Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Everyone said? You may be seated this morning. This morning I want to speak to you on a subject entitled, The Same Spirit. Lean to your neighbor and say, The Same Spirit. The Same Spirit. Today is also Pentecostal Sunday, as your pastor said, opening up service this morning. And it's always a great joy and honor to be able to preach on Pentecostal Sunday. I've grown up in Pentecost my entire life. It's just who I am. It's in my DNA. And sometimes Pentecost can become one of these things that people are get weirded out by because of the crazy things that people have done over the years and given it a bad reputation or a bad name for what Pentecost truly is. And I know you've been on a journey here that I found out last night as talking with your pastor and we're talking about different things, uh, a journey of learning about the spirit man and the things that were within you. So today I want to speak to us about the same spirit that dwells on the inside of us as also as we transition at the end of this, uh, understanding the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost as well too. And it says within here as it's talking about the same spirit that dwells within you. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The thing, thing that I want to speak to us today is in understanding that the number one thing the enemy comes against us with is in attacking us is, is in our identity. Lean to your number and say your identity. Is in the identity. And I think that the simplicity of life to us is the sim simplicity of the fact that if we could truly understand our identity as to who we really are in Christ Jesus and understanding who his word says that we really are, it would solve a lot of problems that we face in life. That if we understand who God really says that we really are, that the enemy oftentimes the number one place that we always fight and we have the battle is between our left ear and our right ear. It is within our mind. Amen. 
Are you with me this morning? That's the number one place where we always have the greatest battle. And the enemy always wants to whisper all these words over you or speak loudly to you, all the words over you to try to tell you who you are according to this world, that you're defeated, you'll never be victorious, that you will always live with the struggles that you have, you will always live in sickness, you will always walk with this, you will always do that, you will always walk in depression. The enemy tries to whisper those things to you. But today I've come to encourage you to understanding that according to the Word of God, the Word of God says you are the head and you are not the tail. You are above and you are not beneath. You are healed. You are delivered. You're walking in that. So we need to understand today our identity of who Jesus Christ says that we really are. And when we understand the spirit that is on the inside of us, when we understand that we quit focusing upon the flesh body and we focus upon the spirit man that is on the inside of us, that is the moment that I believe we truly begin to walk into the places God's called us to. And it's the same spirit, not a, not a duplicate spirit, not a, not a copy spirit. It's the, according to the Word of God, it is the same spirit that dwells on the inside of us. Are you with me so far this morning? Nobody else is here. Amen? That's all right. I'll preach to myself, even if I have to. So, but we understand this within. Listen, I grew up in church. I've grown up in church since... I was nine months in the womb. I've been in church my entire life. Me and Pastor Heath, we grew up, and though we're cousins, we're more like brothers. That's just how we grew up, and, and within that, we, we grew up within church all our life, and I can remember, you know, in churches where you had the old wooden pews back then, they didn't have any cushions on them, so uh, you had to endure the pain and the torture even more throughout a service, and, but I can remember as a kid growing up that, that I'd be up underneath the pew, and underneath that pew, we'd bring crayons, bring your little army men, bring your little cars, and Listen, there's some great artwork underneath some pews somewhere. And, you know, there's a lot of gum that's stuck underneath there. But beside a lot of gum, there's, a, there's some great artwork, you know, that is still there. Some Da Vinci or, you know, or something kind of artwork that I just like to proclaim that as a kid growing up. But I can remember that, that I sat through some of those services. And, and listen, it, it used to scare me to death when the Spirit would begin to move in services as a kid. I'm not going to lie about it. It used to scare me to death when things would begin to happen. But the thing that I began to realize within it is that when you're in services like that, you can't deny the presence of God. You can't deny the power of God. And, and even to this day, traveling around, seeing God do things that God does, I, I don't understand the way God does some things and why he does some things the way he does some things. But there's one thing that I do understand is that God is sovereign and God is God. And if God wants to do it that way, then that's okay with me. Amen? And then whatever he wants to do, that's the way it is. But at the same time of growing up within Pentecost, I grew up, <coughs> excuse me, I grew up with the understanding and thinking that God was a mean God. <laughs> that's how I grew up. I grew up with thinking that God was a mean God and God was just waiting on you to mess up. And God was sitting on the throne. The picture that I used to have of, of God when I grew up was the, that God was an old man sitting on a throne in heaven and he had long white hair and he was sitting there and he had a lightning bolt uh, rod within his hand. And the moment you messed up, he was just waiting just to send a lightning bolt down to you and strike you and bring harm to you and, and, and try to you know correct you within those things. That's how 
I grew up within those moments because that was the, the, the fear, quote unquote, that I had within that moment of growing up within church. But it wasn't until I realized that God is not a mean God, that God is not a God of anger. God is, God is a loving God and God is a God who desires for you and I to experience his presence and experience his glory and that no matter how many times we mess up, that we serve a God who is always there waiting to catch us and always there waiting to help us. Amen. That doesn't give us an excuse to, to just continue and blatantly live in sin, but it gives us hope to understanding that God's intention is always to get us in his presence. God's intention and his desire, and he will do everything within his power to make sure that we get into his presence and so we can experience the glory that he wants to bless out upon our life. Amen. And the reason why we come to church, the reason why we come together is for a corporate gathering to come together because we have a desire and a hunger for the presence of God and for the things of God. Amen. And we can have moments of encounters on our own at home, and you should have those moments of encounters with God at home and alone. But there's something also special about when we come together in the house of God where two or more come together and we come in agreement and we come to worship. Worship God and make a declaration as a corporate body as who God really is. Amen. And so it is God's desire within life for us to always be in his presence and for us to experience his glory to the extent that, that he wants us to experience him. It is not God's desire for us to live a life that we constantly beat ourselves up, that we constantly fall on our face, but it's our, it is God's desire to get us in a place of serving him and longing for his presence and longing for his spirit and longing for his anointing and to be in those kind of moments. Now, if we were to say today that we are saved, and most everyone in this room, I hope is saved. If you're not, you're going to have an opportunity within this service to give your heart to Jesus Christ and to walk through salvation, to walk in a daily walk with God. But the reality of it is, is I've heard people before say that, well, when you get saved, you lose your ability to sin. Well, I don't know how you figure that out. If you figured out the secret to that, please let me know. I've been saved a long time since I was too young to really remember. But the reality of it is I, I know that I have not lost my ability to sin. If you're in this place this morning and you feel like you've lost your ability to sin, please come see me after service and please let me know how you're able to do that. That would be a great life to live. But you don't lose your ability to sin when you enter into salvation. You, use, you lose your ability to enjoy sin. And there's a vast difference. But the reality of it is that today's time and hour that we're living in is I believe we're also living in a time to where people have tried to justify the things within this world to where we can be saved, quote unquote, but still enjoy our sin. And listen, if you're living in a life to where you're enjoying your sin, I'm just going to hear, just going to say this. I'm the evangelist today, so if you have a letter to write, please write it to me. But please use crayons because that makes the letter a lot more enjoyable to read. So don't, don't give it to your pastor. But the reality of it is, is that if you're in that place to where you've reached a place where you've enjoyed your sin, I'm just going to say it, you're probably not saved. Are you with me this morning? I know. I know. It's the evangelist. It's all right. You'll have your pastor back next week. And uh, so, you know, I'll be gone here in the next two hours. So it'll be fine. You won't have to put up with me no more. But the reality of it is, is this is, this is where I grew up. And this is where I believe that God wants us to live in. 
And, and I've also walked through life, and I'm just going to give you a few things. And as traveling evangelist, and also I was a, a, a pastor there for a year. God delivered me, set me free. Thank you, Jesus. But anyhow, so you ever walked up? Listen, I enjoy pastoring. I enjoy people. So please don't take that out of context. But I, I've listened to people that would come to church services after church services, and they would say, you know what? I just can't enter into the service because I just don't feel like I'm being fed. So I just can't really enter into the service. You ever heard that before? Don't raise your hand. Don't look around the room. Everyone just look, focus on me for a second. It's all right. So it's like, I just, I just can't enter in because I just don't feel like I'm being fed. Well, the reality of it is what I've learned throughout life and what I've learned throughout growing up is that the only people within houses that I attend and places that I go, the only people that are hand-fed things are infants or people who literally can't. But those who have the capability of feeding yourself, the food's put on the plate and you're given a fork. So the reality of it is, is if you feel like you're not being fed, it's the fact that you're not willing to pick up the fork and feed your own self. But the food's already on the table. And today I want you to understand because I know uh, your pastor. I know this church. I know the leadership of this house. And I understand and I know that you are being given the word of God and you're being taught the depths of the riches of the word of God. And so today what I want you to understand is that if you feel like you're in a place to where I just I just can't because I don't know the probably the really reason is that you're not willing to pick up the fork and actually eat and digest what you're being taught are you with me so far now he didn't ask me to say that but I hope he writes me a check for it later so no I'm just playing but but the reality of it is that's that's where we are and 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 and, and this thing within life is that we're we're all looking and hoping for 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 the rapture we're all looking for this and that and the other we're all looking for what's to come and and sometimes we focus on what God did then and sometimes we focus on what God wants to do over here and we're focusing on the then and we're focusing on the now and you might say well Pastor Lee I don't believe in the rapture that's okay you're not going it'll be all right so but the reality of it is is we focus oftentimes on what God did then and then we focus on what God wants to do in the future but the thing of it is is we have to focus on sometimes what God's doing now right I'm thankful for the then and I'm thankful for what's to come but sometimes we have to live in the now I told you, I've grown up Pentecostal my entire life. So I'm thankful for the services where the shout happens. I'm thankful for the services wherever the Spirit moves and God does insane things. I'm thankful for all those things, but that doesn't have to happen for the presence of God to be in the room. Matter of fact, sometimes more so it's out of emotions than it is anything else. But the reality of it is, is that I'm thankful for those moments, but, but I've learned to realize within life is that what happened then and what's going to happen in the future doesn't really help me a whole lot with what i got to deal with right now. And I don't know about you, but I deal with a lot of stuff right now. I, I look a man in the mirror every single day that's one of the toughest people to deal with every single day. Amen? Apparently none of you have any mirrors in your house. But anyhow, the reality of it is, is, is we understand that the hardest person and the hardest thing for us to do is to deal with the flesh man, right? The hardest person for us to face is the flesh man. The hardest person for us to deal with and the number one person within our life that will always cause us the most problems is our flesh man. Amen. Some of you may be more saved than what I am. Raise your hands up in the air just like this. Come on, all across the room. Raise your hands up. Put them right beside your head. Wiggle it around. Thank you for straightening your halos on this Sunday morning because some of you are more holy and righteous than what I am. But the reality of it is, is our flesh man is oftentimes the one who gives us the most trouble. 
And he's the one that we have to deal with all the time. Listen, your flesh man does not get saved. I'm sorry to, to break that to you. Your flesh man does not get saved. It is your spirit man that gets saved. Because what is saved is preserved. That's what salvation is. It is preserving. It is the preservation there. So what God saves, he preserves. And in case you didn't realize it, if you look in the mirror, ever since the day that you and I have been born, our flesh man is dying. It's not being preserved. You don't look the same way you looked when you were 12, 13, 14, whatever age that you were. When you were in your 20s, you don't look the same way. I don't look the same way. I've got a few more wrinkles than what I used to have. Amen? Because our flesh man is not saved. Our flesh man is not preserved. So today I want us to understand the difference between the flesh man and the spirit man. I know your pastor's taught on this, but I want to bring it to a place maybe that you've never heard of and understood here. And I've got just a few minutes to get us there. And the Word of God tells us in verse number 9, it says that now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Notice that there is something that is missing within that verse, but it's intentionally not there. It does not say that if you do not have the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he says if you do not have the Spirit of Christ. I'm going to say Christ. For if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not him. So Jesus, the word Jesus is left out of that because he's saying that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not saying the Spirit of Jesus, he says the Spirit of Christ. Now listen to me. This is something invested into my life a long time ago. And if you understand this, it will help you in your study and your walk with God. When you understand and you read the Word of God, and anytime you find the word Jesus, or you find the word Jesus Christ in that order, it is always referring to the flesh man. The emphasis of the context of what is being spoken of is in the context and the emphasis of referencing the flesh man. When it says Jesus, or when it says Jesus Christ. But when you see throughout the Word of God where it just only says Christ, or where it says Christ Jesus, where Christ comes first, the emphasis is on the spirit man. And when you understand that concept through the Word of God, it will literally change the meaning of the things and the way you read some things. And in verse number 11, the Word of God says, and he speaks to us and he says, For if the spirit of him, being God who raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus being the flesh body from the dead, dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So when you understand that scripture and you begin to break it down and you begin to study it with the understanding what is focusing on the flesh person and what is focusing on the spirit person. This is what it means because the word dead within that has two different meanings. The first word dead when you read it for if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead and the word dead there listen to me this is going to be really tough for you to understand and I know I'm going through this really fast but hang tight. This is really tough for you to understand, but when you study the Greek and the Hebrew and you understand the word dead here, that he who raised Jesus from the dead, this is literally what it means. It means dead. I know that's hard for you to understand, but that's exactly what that means. It means dead. From the grave, from, from, from death, from just being dead. It says, but then he who raised Christ from the dead, that word dead that shows up the second time is a different word within the Greek and the Hebrew. And that word dead that shows up the second time has a different meaning. That word dead has a meaning that is literally translated to the word hell. 
And so what it means when you read that and you translate it to the original Greek and the, the original text in which it was written, it's just what it says. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the physical dead dwells in you, then he that raised up Christ, the spirit man from hell, shall also give life to your mortal body. Now, you might not understand that, but I want you to understand it. You're going to understand it here in just a few moments. Because the context here is understanding that the same spirit that not only just raised the physical body of Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, but the spirit that raised Christ, not the spirit that just raised Jesus, the physical body, but the spirit that literally went with the spirit of Christ to hell and raised him up out of hell. That's the same spirit that lives within you. It's not just the spirit that just can bring resurrection life to a body, but it's a spirit that can bring eternity, uh, freedom from, from, from hell and from damnation that the Word of God speaks to us about. Are you with me so far this morning? I know I'm going through this really fast, but hang tight. So Christ is speaking to us here, and he's saying that the same Spirit, that same Spirit, the same Spirit that went to the depths of that is the same Spirit that lives within you. So for us to understand that this morning, we have to understand the law of God and the Word of God. In Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 26, the Word of God tells us, and this is what it says. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Let us make man according to our likeness and let them have dominion. And it lists everything that says over all the earth. So what you have to understand here that the word of God is speaking here for the sake of time this morning. The word of God is speaking here and as God in the very beginning he made man in his image. In our image is what it says which is the, the head, the body, the torso, the arms, the legs in the image. And he says and in his likeness. And the word likeness means in his character, the same character of who God really is. So he says, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. And then he says, and he goes on and he says, and let man have dominion and authority over everything that faces this, that, that is upon the face of this earth. Are you with me so far? So in the very beginning in Genesis chapter number one, God's word goes forth and God speaks to the creation of us as humanity. And he says, I have given you dominion and I have given you authority over everything you will face and over everything upon this planet. That's what the word of God says in Genesis one, chapter number 26. So you have to understand there, God cannot go back on his word, but when his word is spoken to existence, it becomes law. So God within this moment he gave in the very beginning as he created man he said I'm going to give humans dominion and authority over everything over this earth that's what he says when you understand that when you translate and understand the word human I've got a lot of information so hang tight when you translate and understand the word human you will translate the word human to understand that the Latin word means humus and humus means dirt link to your neighbor say you ain't nothing but dirt <laughs> most encouraging thing you'll probably tell them all day long. Amen. So 
It says translated literally to the, to the Latin word humus, which means dirt. And the Greek word within that means the living spirit. So it means that there is a dirt body that has a living spirit on the inside of it. And that is the body that God gave dominion to over everything on this earth. So now we have a problem. In the, in the Garden of Eden, it says that, that Adam and Eve, they, they tasted the fruit. You know the story. And they fell out of the rightful place of dominion in the Genesis chapter number one Genesis chapter number two that God comes back one day and he asks the question he says Adam where are you and I preached that to you here at this church before that Adam where are you God was not asking Adam Adam what bush are you hiding behind Adam what tree are you hiding behind Adam where are you at within the garden no what God was asking Adam is he was saying when I left from here you were in dominion and you were in authority but since I've returned because you have partaken of the thing that I told you not to partake of. You have now lost dominion. You have now lost authority. So now I've got to come up with something that's going to get you back to the place of dominion and authority. Are you thankful for the plan of salvation this morning? Amen. So he says, I've got to get you back to a place of dominion and authority because without the spirit of God, without his presence within our life, we have no dominion and we have no authority but God has a problem you say well couldn't God just have stopped Adam and Eve from just sinning couldn't God just have just come down and just stop them from doing anything no he couldn't well I thought God could do everything God can't do anything well you're saying you're confusing me now God can do anything but he couldn't do this so how can God not do anything not do this if God can do anything are you with me so far <laughs> I know, just hang tight. So within it, you have to understand God cannot go back on his word. And the reason why God could not just come down and stop mankind from not falling into sin, but jumping into sin, there's a difference between the two, because you can just stumble and fall into something, but when it comes to sin, you willingly jump into it. You don't just fall and stumble, and you make a choice and decision within your own life. You don't just blame the game on somebody else, amen? Don't play the Adam and Eve blame game. And so within that, God is saying, now I have a problem. Because in, I spoke over here in Genesis 1, chapter number 26, and I said that now man, dirt body, human, has dominion and authority over everything, but now they've fallen out of the place I put them in, but I have to have a dirt body to put my spirit in in order for me to even have authority on a planet called Earth. Are you with me so far? Because it's according to the Word of God. He set His law into order. So God couldn't just come as a spirit and just come dwell upon earth and just change anything up because he had already given dominion to mankind. Are you with me so far? Are you with me? Amen. It's 12 o'clock, so understand. You want out of here, but it's okay. Hang tight. I want to show you something in the Word of God. So God said, now I've got to do something. And so he said, you know what, Adam? I'm going, to, I'm going to put you out of the garden, but I'm going to bring restoration, and I'm going to bring healing, and I'm going to bring salvation back to mankind so that you have every right to be the person of dominion and authority that I placed you in. And within that, 4,000 years later from now, he said, I'm going to find me a dirt body that I can place my spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christ, Christ that comes from heaven, the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. The 
Spirit of Christ came and was placed within their dirt body. How does that happen? Throughout everything you will find that God searched for 40 to 42 generations, I forget the exact number, until he could find someone that was pure enough that would give birth to a flesh body so that he could place his spirit within it. You find it all throughout the Word of God. Seth begot Enon, Enos begot Canaan, Canaan, Mahalel, all the way through Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, great-grandson Ram, all the way through David, Solomon, great-grandson Asa, Jehoshaphat, great-grandson, all the way through the Word of God, you will find till God finds a lineage of purity so that he can produce a dirt body that's named by the name of Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. But Jesus is in reference to the flesh body that was created by the virgin birth of Mary. He said in the very beginning that because of the fall of man, that he looked at Lucifer and he said this, he said, her seed shall bruise your head. Are you with me? That's what the Word of God says. Now, now we understand through biology that's not the case. That can't happen. So what was happening here was a prophetic vision and a prophecy that was being given that one day there's going to be a virgin birth that's going to take place and God was going to find a flesh body that he could put his spirit in so that that could bring him back to the place to have rightful place of dominion and authority. So 4,000 years later from the moment that Adam and Eve fell out of the place that God had for them, God said, I'm going to go through all these generations and they're not going to be perfect and they're going to mess up and they're going to make mistakes. But he said, I'm going to find me a dirt body. And he goes to a woman by the name of Mary and he speaks to her and he says, you're going to give birth to a virgin child. He's going to be my son. And it says this, he says, I'm going to place my spirit on the inside of him and you're going to call him Jesus. But when I attach my spirit on the inside of him, he's going to become Jesus Christ because Jesus is the flesh but Christ is the spirit so you understand now we have 4,000 years later according to the word of God we have a flesh body who has been infilled on the inside with the spirit of God the spirit of Christ to give him the dominion and the power to do what God said within his word from the very beginning of the foundations of the earth that he gave mankind he gave humans dominion over everything the reality of it is within life listen to me here. The reality of it is within life is the reason why so many people can't overcome the things within this world is because you're trying to do it by your flesh man and God is saying your flesh man does not have dominion and authority over anything but when his spirit comes on the inside of you then you have dominion and you have authority. So why do you keep struggling with the same thing over and over and over again? It's because you're not submitting yourself as the flesh man and crucifying the flesh man and submitting to the spirit man on the inside so that the spirit man can speak with dominion and authority. Are you with me this morning? I know it's Pentecostal Sunday and we're going to get there because right now you understand when God speaks within his word in Romans and he says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and raised Christ from hell is the same spirit that dwells on the inside of you. That same spirit, not a duplicate spirit, not a copy spirit, but it is the same spirit. You have to understand today that your words produce life and they produce death. 
You cannot afford to live in this life in this day and age that we're living in and just go around speaking negativity over your life or your family member's life or over your church's life or over your friend's life. I don't care how bad someone's hurt you. I don't care how bad someone's harmed you. I don't care what you've had to go through. I don't care what anyone else has done to you. And I don't care how bad the struggle is that you've got to deal with every single day with the flesh man. The word of God says get up every single day and speak the word of God over your life because you got to speak to the flesh man, crucify him, and allow the spirit man to be the dominion and authority of everything in your life. Are you with me? You have to understand that you and I have the same setup that Jesus had. <laughs> not, not, a, not a duplicate, but the exact same setup. <sighs> the word Emmanuel in Isaiah just says, you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Literally translate to God in the dirt. That's what it literally translates to. And understanding what happens here. In 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter number 4, the Word of God says, as it begins, it says, but we have this treasure in, in what? We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of power might be of God and not of us, for we are hard plagues on every side, yet not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus manifest for us, for all the way through this, understanding the scripture here, you understand, he says, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in dirt bodies. Lean to your neighbor and say, you're nothing but dirt. You see, within this, you understand that we have God searching for 4,000 years according to his word. He says, I can't back up on my word, so I've got to find a dirt body to place my spirit in so that I can take back dominion and authority that mankind lost. Now listen, there is also a difference of the Spirit being within you and the Spirit coming upon you. Because the Spirit within you, the same Spirit is the Spirit of salvation, the Spirit of living and overcoming life. But then there's also the spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost as God sent his spirit, the comforter in Acts chapter number two. He says, go and tarry. He told it to 500 people. He said, go and tarry. And wait, worship team, you can go and come and at least give the people hope this morning. He told 500 people, he said, go and tarry and wait in the upper room in Jerusalem. And out of 500 people, there was only 120 people who stayed. Because, you know, the reality of it is, is us church people, us church people, we're not very patient when it comes to the things of God. We like things instantaneous. We like things right now. And we like things done our way. Right? Because we often tend to lean to the flesh person and not the spirit person. And God speaks to them and says, I want you to go. And I want you to tarry, I want you to wait. Acts chapter 2, it says, and you shall be endued by power, with power. That's what's going to happen. The day of Pentecost comes, they're endued with power. Word endowment is dynamite power. That's what it translates to. You've heard that. I think I've said it here before too. Translates to dynamite power. 
You have to understand everything that God does is intentional. Everything. Everything throughout the Word of God is intentional so that you and I can live a life of overcoming everything that our flesh man throws our way. Amen? Everything. And within the Word of God, you will find as well too. Now, let me back up here for just a second. See, Jesus was also a flesh body. Jesus was human. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. You all know the story in, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 2, where it tells the story of where Jesus, and you don't have to put it up on the screen, but it tells the story of where Jesus, at 12 years old, got lost. Y'all know that story? 12 years old, they're going down the journey, and he's with his mom and dad, and all of a sudden, a day goes by, and they just think he's with other people back in the line somewhere. They go another day's journey and realize that Jesus is nowhere to be found. Three days go by, Jesus is missing. Now, I'm not a parent, 36, still single, enjoying life. But I don't know about you, but if I had a child who was a teenager or 12 years old, and they went missing for three hours, and I didn't know where they were for even three hours, I'd be in a panic mode, right? Much less three days. It goes back. We're going to talk about the same spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to relay this to you within this message. It goes back to find where Jesus was. And they find Jesus within the Word of God. And it says that now uh, it was after three days. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of his teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, Mary and Joseph, there are the people and all, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought for you anxiously. Now listen, when I read that, we read that kind of like in a calmly manner. I don't think Mary went to talk to Jesus in a very calmly manner within this situation. Amen. I believe it was very stern. I believe it was very authoritative. And I believe it's for the points like, son, you in trouble. It's into that kind of authoritative voice that she's saying all these things. But I love the response. He says, we, we, we sought for you anxiously. And Jesus said, why did you seek me? Do you not know that I was about my father's business? There was one translation that says that he turns around and looks at her and says, Woman, now listen, when I grew up, if I called my mother woman, it was the end of my life. Amen? My mom said that I can kill you and resurrect you at the same time. And I believed her. Amen? Because of the level of respect that was there. But it says Jesus was missing for all this time. And then we have within this space, I'm going to teach you something here for just a second, because I also know where you're going to, because your, your pastor told me last night. And he didn't know I had all this in my message. But it says that at 12 years of age here, Mary speaks to him, comes in, they find him. Jesus says, oh, I'm about my father's business. It says they don't understand the statement and all this kind of stuff is going on. And from this moment to 18 years later, to Jesus is 30 years old, we don't hear another thing about Jesus' life. 18 years of his life. Have you ever wondered what Jesus was doing in those 18 years of his life? 
ever questioned that? You ever asked that question? I got the answer for you. Anyone else know the answer? It's, it's there. Anyone else know the answer? For 18 years there, my answer to it first off is he was grounded. <laughs> right? You leave your parents, you talk to your mom and your dad like that 18 years, boy, you grounded. I don't care that you are the son of God. I am your mama. All right? That's the kind of attitude within that. But listen to me. Jesus had the same spirit, the spirit of Christ on the inside of him. Let me, let me teach you something of what happens that even the Son of God did for 18 years, even knowing that he had all dominion, all power, and all authority. And you're not going to like the answer to it because it's one of the hardest things for us to do. But if you will go to verse number 51 and verse number 52 in Luke chapter number 2, from the moment that he was lost to the moment that we don't hear anything else about him, what was Jesus doing for those 18 years? This is what he was doing. It says, Then he went down with them, and he came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. What does it mean that he was subject to them? It says from that moment, Jesus at 12 years old understood, my time is not now, but for the next 18 years, I'm going to serve and I'm going to be a servant. Listen, sometimes when we receive the spirit of God upon our life and we do this, we think that we've grown up within the world today that we think that when, when someone's baptized if you with the Holy Spirit, it's like there's a level here and then here's a level here. That's not the way God works. God is not that kind of God. When you ever think that away, you're out of order according to the Word of God. All right? So Jesus understood that even having been filled with the Spirit and the power on the inside, Jesus said, now it's time to serve. We don't like serving because it has to crucify the flesh. Right? We don't like having to sacrifice our time because you know what? If I get into a leadership position at the church then I'm obligated to be there every time the doors are open. I can't just go and do my own thing when I want to go do it. Right? It's Memorial Day weekend. You made a sacrifice this morning because it's a weekend. It's a holiday weekend. You could have been anywhere doing anything. Some of you in this room might be thinking and wishing that you were somewhere else. Didn't have to listen to this guy this morning. The reality of it is, is there's a place of servantship that will also put you into the posture and the position years old, the next moment that you and I see Jesus Christ is he's standing in the midst of a river. And John the Baptist is there and it says that he is baptized and when he's baptized it says that the Spirit comes upon him. And from that moment, then you see Jesus begin to step into doing and performing the miracles that he was called to into the ministry that God's called him to walk into. Can I tell you, I believe as the flesh being of Jesus that if he hadn't spent those 18 years of serving, because notice what it says, that while he was serving, he was growing in infinite wisdom and he was gaining connections and relationships with people. When the Spirit lives within us, we reach a place of servantship 
priest a place of servantship and we begin to serve, there will come a day then where the Spirit comes upon us. Are you with me so far this morning? You want to have dominion and authority over your life? It first begins by inviting the Spirit salvation in you, crucifying the flesh. But then you want to walk into another place of a prayer language and having the authority that God really has given us as mankind to walk in. Nothing weird, nothing crazy. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen, it says within the Word of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given for the unbeliever. That's what it says. It's given to the believer for the unbeliever. To bring encouragement to the unbeliever. To be a greater witness as a believer and to show the unbeliever the presence, the power of God and who God really is. Okay? I don't have time to teach on all that this morning. You've got a pastor who's been teaching you and he can take it from there and do whatever he wants to do with the Word of God. But the reality of it is, is that's how it is. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. say it to step into it God will never force himself on you to do things within your spirit within your life that you don't want to welcome him in to do if you don't want it it's okay listen baptism of the Holy Spirit does not question your salvation are you with me because the spirit dwells within you the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and then the spirit comes upon you different places, two different things. Today is Pentecost Sunday, but I needed you to understand this morning, to understand the power of what Christ had, what God had to go through through His Son, Jesus Christ, to understand that the same Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that went with the Spirit of Christ into hell, the same spirit that is in this place today and that dwells on the inside of you and I as born again believers. But then God says, I'm giving you a comforter. I'm sending you a promise of my spirit, the Holy Spirit, not just the spirit of Christ, but the Holy Spirit to come upon you that when you don't know what to pray, when you don't know what to say, spirit begins to rise up on the inside of you. For the sake of time, I'm going to tell you very fastly a story that I've told it here before. I believe I've said it here before. The word power within Acts chapter 2 is dynamite power. Dynamite is something that brings destruction. It removes mountains. It'll blow up anything that's in its pathway. It'll make a way there wasn't a way before. That's how dynamite works. When you understand the story of dynamite, you understand that a man by the name of Alfred Nobel tried to find a way to contain dynamite power. It was a thing called nitroglycerin. You watch the old westerns, you watch all the different things as they begin to try to transport it around. They put it in glass, they put it in this, and randomly it would just explode because they couldn't transport it, they couldn't handle it, they couldn't contain it with it being safe. And a man by the name of Alfred Nobel, for long story short, begins to try all these different ways, blows up three different towns, literally, blows up three different towns trying to find a way to hold this dynamite power and 
contain that. And he reaches back into a mud river one day and he finds a thing called clay, dirt. And he forms a vessel out of that dirt and he places on the inside of that the nitroglycerin. And do you know, it's changed today because of modern technology, but did you know that the only thing that they could find, Alfred Nobel, the one who gave the Nobel Peace Prize, random fact about that, blew everything up, but he's the one who got the Peace Prize. He's the very one that discovered that the only thing that could contain a dynamite power and prevent it from just unexpectedly blowing up was dirt. I read to you in 2 Corinthians as it says, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Did you know that you and I are nothing but dirt vessels? You and I are nothing but just simply made out of dirt. One day our flesh body is going to return back, but our flesh body is a vessel. And with our flesh body being a vessel, we choose what we allow to fill our vessel. And God says, I'm sending you not just my spirit of salvation to empower within that moment, but I'm also sending you the Holy Spirit as a spirit that would come upon you. And if you allow that spirit to fill you, it is a dynamite power. And it's the same dynamite power that when there are mountains that you are facing spiritually with your life, that when you have that dynamite power and you speak with that dynamite power and you use that dynamite power, it causes mountains to be removed within your life. It causes a way when there seems to be no way. It causes an encouraging spirit to rise up on the inside of you. It's nothing weird. It's nothing crazy. It is the simplicity of the fact that God is saying that I brought my people back to a place of dominion and authority. And with dominion and authority, now I've also sent my spirit to bring comfort to you, to give you a power to go out and reach people that are dying and lost and going to hell. That's the simplicity of it. I have to have it to make it to heaven? No, I've already said that. But you do have to have it sometimes to go to Walmart. Go to McDonald's, place an order. Can't understand what they're saying. You ever get your order wrong? At McDonald's, some fast food restaurant. Anyone ever got their order wrong before? Right? What spirit came upon you when they got it wrong? Don't answer that question in church. Because the Word of God says that He's given us a right spirit. There's a right spirit, it also means there's a wrong spirit. Some of us in this room, our flesh man tends to come out when things don't go the way that we think they should go. But I'm thankful today for the power of the Holy Spirit as well, too. That when we don't know what to say, sometimes we gotta tame our tongue. Amen to watch what we say and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is something that does just that to help us amen so this morning I want you to understand it's the day of Pentecost it's the birthday of the church but I want you to understand no matter what it is that you're facing no matter what it is that you're going through remind yourself that the same spirit that went to the borrowed tomb flesh body of Jesus was and resurrected the spirit man 
is the same spirit that dwells and lives on the inside of us as a believer. The same spirit that he sent on the day of Pentecost is here today to empower us to be a greater witness and a greater believer for the kingdom of God. You don't have to have it to make it to heaven, but it sure does help. This morning, if you're with me, would you stand with me all across the room? First and foremost in this place this morning, you're here and you would say, you know what?